Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. All right, I'm excited. It's been a while since I've gotten to preach, and so I'm going to make all the video people crazy. I'm going to preach from down here. <laughs> it's been an interesting season. Um, there's been um, a lot of things going on, a lot of people out sick and things like that. And so um, the, the cool thing is that when we come into um, these places and uh, what the Lord is doing in the two services and stuff, the question to ask and what we're looking for and how we define success is, is his presence here? Amen. Are we doing and obeying what he said to do? Is his presence here? If his presence is here, we are on the right track. Amen. <laughs> so we're going to continue to follow after what the Lord said to do. And uh, I'm really excited for when everyone's back and healthy and all those things are going on. But we're just going to keep trucking in what, what he said to do. So uh, we're actually going to start today. Um, Becky actually got a word from the Lord, and I'm so excited. So if you want to come on up, it's fire. And it really goes along with the message that she he has no clue about. Cool. Um, so I hurt my back a lot, and it's because I don't have the correct posture. I tend to stand weird, and my hips are not aligned right when I try to do stuff. And so I've been trying to focus on just standing right, having the right posture when I lift or bend or whatever. So it has absolutely nothing to do with anything, but that's how God talked to me. So God talks to you through injuries sometimes. Um, so I was trying to do that this morning, and he told me, you don't have to be strong, you just have to change your posture. When you stand or uh, move or try to do things with the wrong posture, you can get hurt, you can, um, you're, you're weak, but when you stand right and you have the right posture, you aren't any stronger, you're just properly aligned. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Give the Lord praise. Wow, we want to come into alignment and we want to posture. How do we want to posture ourselves? We want to posture ourselves in his presence. We want to posture ourselves in the secret place. We want to posture ourselves in a position of rest. We want to posture ourselves in a 100% posture of dependence on Holy Spirit at all times. 100% dependence. I am always, always, always going to be 100% dependent on his presence, on his spirit. Amen. And when we posture ourselves like that, oh my goodness, like there, there's, there's no stopping what we can do for the Lord, but it always starts with that posture. I have to share with you, um, this was a couple weeks ago when uh, Angelo was here with his team, and um, it was such a powerful time. It was such an unexpected kiss from the Lord for me. Um, during the second service, um, one of their team, we called her the weeping prophet. <laughs> her name was Cindy. Um, her name is Cindy. But uh, she came over and she started prophesying to me and calling stuff out. And I'm, I'm just telling you, like, it was hitting such deep places. It was hitting things that I had prayed the night before, specific scriptures that I was in, like, like calling the sons and daughters home from the north, south, east, and the west. Like, that's not a typical scripture you just pull out of nowhere, you know. It's like, it was like reading, reading my mail, but reading my mail in the secret place. And I just like, God is so good. He's so good <laughs> because you go in the secret place and what I, I always love to write down what I feel like he's saying to me, you know, but this is a faith walk, right? Can we be real? 
This is a faith walk. I write down what I feel like he's saying to me. So often he confirms his word. Like throughout the day, I go and speak to someone and they say the same scripture he said that morning and it confirms the word. But this is a faith walk. And if we're being honest, there's times that I'm like, Jesus, is this you? Are you my imaginary friend Jesus that loves me so much, right? But to come and to have a word like that where it's like reading the very things that he was speaking to me the day before, it just hit such a deep place. And I'm just here to tell you once again, he's so good. He's so kind. He's so loving. Like his presence, he's so good. He's better than you can imagine. Like, I don't like just fall in love with him. That's all I can say. How could you not fall in love with him? How can you not? It's just like he just continually pursues our hearts and brings us back to that first love place. Again, that's the posture that we want to have. First love, seeking him first. Amen. Amen, amen, seeking his presence. So um, there's two things um, that the Lord has on my heart um, that are, are sort of like marching orders. So this is all, again, resting on the foundation of we're in his presence, we're postured, we're, we're following him by the spirit, first love, intimacy, first and foremost. If you, if you need help in that area, go back and listen to last year's message on the two trees and make sure that you're staying in a place of rest and connection with him. But we're going to talk about some things that are sort of the marching orders for this season. And the two things that I hear him saying specifically to me, and I feel like for this body of people, is number one, focus. Focus is huge, huge important right now. Everything is vying for your focus. And there is so many things that we can choose to focus on. So he's like bringing us back like, hey, focus is really, really important. The second thing is stay out of survival mode. Stay out of survival mode. Everything in the world right now is trying to tell you fear, fear, fear. Isolate, isolate, isolate. Lack, lack, lack. Stay, just, just get through the day. You just got to survive this. You just got to survive this. But I'm telling you that God is bringing revival and revival is coming through family and revival is coming through creativity. Okay? When we enter into survival mode, creativity goes right out the window right? We are not survivors. We are conquerors. Amen. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Amen. So we are not just trying to get through the day. We're not just trying to get through the year 2022. We are conquering. We are on the offensive and we need to partner with that posture of rest and with leaning on him. But in those places, we're going to go after this thing and we're going to be creative and we're going to prioritize our families. Amen. So with that, let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for the kisses that you send us, God. I thank you for wooing our hearts, Jesus. I thank you even for the confirmation of the word you brought through Becky, Lord. You are so kind. You are so loving, Jesus. And I just uh, pray, Father, that you would just anoint everything in the service, Lord, that it would all just speak your, your love and your grace, God, that you would speak to hearts, that you would speak through your anointing, Lord, that breaks yokes of bondage, God, without your anointing it's all just useless, Lord. So I ask for your anointing and your presence above all things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So uh, talking about focus, um, we have a video and this is a test. Okay. So you get, get ready. Like you're going to like get super focused. Okay. Um, this is a test of your awareness and your ability to focus. Okay. The video is going to explain what it wants you to do. Okay. But what you're going to do is you're going to count how many basketball passes with just the people that are dressed in white. Okay. So everyone got your focus eyes on. Okay. Here we go. Follow the instructions of the video. 
the monkey business illusion. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the ball. The correct answer is 16 passes. Who got it right? Did you spot the gorilla? <laughs> For people who haven't seen or heard about a video like this before, about half missed the gorilla. If you knew about the gorilla, you probably saw it. But did you notice the curtain changing color or the player on the black team leaving the game? Let's rewind and watch it again. Here comes the gorilla, and there goes a player, and the curtain is changing from red to gold. When you're looking for a gorilla, you often miss other unexpected events. And that's the monkey business illusion. All right. So, how many of you got it right? Okay, but how many of you missed the gorilla? <laughs> how many of you have seen this before and were looking for the gorilla? How many of you missed the color change happen while you were looking for the gorilla? <laughs> it was kind of like a double, a double trick there. So um, here's the thing, is that when we are told to focus on something, our mind starts focusing there, and then we miss the most important things. We miss the environment and the climate changing behind us. Okay, when we're told to focus on something, if it's not led by the Lord, it costs something that we are meant to focus on. Amen? Focus is always going to cost something. Because if you're focusing here, your brain is going to have to let go of some other things. Does this make sense? Okay? What happens is if we focus so hard and we're like concentrating so much. I, the first time I did this, I was concentrating so hard. I'm like, I'm going to get this right. It's like a pride thing because they're like testing like my intelligence, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to get it right. I'm, I'm so going to get these passes. I can focus really good. And then next thing you know, I'm getting like text messages as I'm trying to, I'm like, ah, go away, go away. And I'm sitting there and I end up in survival mode. And I'm so much in survival mode just trying to make this thing happen and trying to see what all the basketball passes are. I missed completely the group. I missed completely the fact that it's changing colors behind me, okay? Because our focus costs something. So we have to be led by the Lord in what it is that we're going to focus on. Amen? Amen. Stay out of survival mode. Turn to your neighbor say, stay out of survival mode. <laughs> the Lord is on that. I'm telling you the Lord is on that. Um, at the beginning of this year and really wrapping up last year, I have been in this brooding, like planning, preparing, getting ready season over my life. I am becoming a student of my own life because guess what? No one else is going to. Amen. Um, I am looking at what, what do I want to accomplish in 2022? That's something that we all, you know, want to, to look at a lot of the times. What am I going to accomplish this year? But even more important is how do you want 2022 to feel? How do you want your family to feel around you? How do you want your kids to feel around you? How much do you want to host the presence of God in 2022? 
because that type of focus needs to be taken into consideration and not just the accomplishments. Does that make sense? If we focus on the accomplishment, if we focus on counting basketball passes, we're missing the important thing that's right in front of us. Amen? And the enemy pulls a little hoodwink on us. Amen? All right. Stay out of survival mode. Um, right now in this season, I'm working on strength training and eating well, building rest into my schedule, building fun into my schedule. It takes some work and partnering with God at the beginning, but then once it's in place, then guess what? I bump into the times where I'm supposed to rest. I bump into the times, of, oh, fun is on my schedule today. Yay. You know, it takes a little bit of co-laboring with the Lord, but we want to focus on what it is that he's focusing on so that we can have a revival that is sustainable. Amen? Sustainable. Someone say sustainable. <laughs> All right. Uh, this year, my conviction is that we need to diligently guard ourselves from getting into survival mode. Um, survival mode. Uh, if any of you have ever had a teething baby... You are in survival mode, my friend. <laughs> you are under sleep deprivation. You don't eat well. Like you barely, you barely think about eating. You just need rest so bad. Your connection goes right out the window. You're fighting over who's going to get up with that baby. It's like it does. We're not trying to like be kind to one another at three o'clock in the morning when you've got no sleep for two weeks. You know, you're trying to survive. Um, you let go of um, everything else. You're just surviving the season. Okay, so that is why we have to. Stay Stay out of that survival mode. Okay, by the way, young parents of young families, like, you guys are rocking it. You guys are champions. Like, you guys are doing so well. Like, people don't realize, and especially the young couples themselves, they don't realize, like, this is such a hard season. Like, you have this, like, young marriage that's new. You're still, like, finding your place in the world. Finances are tight. Connections are tight. It's hard to have free time for fun. And, by the way, you're raising these people that not only you're supposed to let them survive, but not emotionally scar them. Them when you are lacking sleep, lacking energy, and all the things. You know, they say don't make decisions like halt. Have you guys ever heard that? Don't make a decision when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? Halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. As a young parent with toddlers and babies, I'm hungry and angry and lonely and tired every day of my life. <laughs> all of the things that I'm making decisions that impact little people for the rest of their life. It's, it's crazy. It might be that God was expecting us to depend on him. It might be that God was expecting us to posture ourselves, to need him desperately, right? And not to judge ourselves and condemn ourselves. But man, let's rally around people with young kids. And man, you guys are, you guys are champs. Like, it's awesome. Amen? All right. But in survival mode, guess what happens? When I'm running and grabbing and throwing and I'm too busy and stuff, my eating plan goes right out the window. My finances go right out the window. Communication goes right out the window. Housework goes out the window. Strategy goes out the window. Communication with my husband goes out the window. Do you see what the enemy tries to do to us in keeping us busy, keeping us surviving? Okay, there is a secondary plan that he's trying to shift that curtain behind you. You don't even notice it's happening. Amen? All right. Stay in creativity mode. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay in creativity mode. <laughs> this is fun. This is fun. You get to create your life. You get to create with God. God made you creative. I don't care who you are. I don't care how left-brained you think you are, how right-brained you think you are. God made you to be creative. How do I know that? Because he made you in his image, and God is creative. 
Amen. So get creative with your life. Sit down in the presence of God and just like, Lord, what are some things I need to just cross off my schedule? What are some things that I need to put into my schedule? Have fun. Play with the Lord with it. But this is really important and this is a form of warfare. Amen. I know this is kind of like a mom message. It's like kind of more practical and and things like that. It's kind of like, hey, um, this is something that's really, really important, especially at the start of this year. Amen. All right. (laughs) Creativity requires intention. I know it sounds really romantic when you're a songwriter or an artist. I just when, the, when I feel inspired, then I'll sit down and I'll paint a painting. Or I'm going to just write a song just at the spur of a moment. And if it doesn't come at the spur of the moment, then I must not be inspired. Oh, honey. <laughs> Five kids. Like, it doesn't work unless we plan it into our schedule. You have to be intentional about building creativity in your schedule. Building those times and even just building those times for fun. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, We're going to talk about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man of great focus. Um, For those of you that don't know the story, um, Nehemiah was a layman, which I love because um, a lot of times people want to do something great uh, for God. They want to do something great for uh, the world, and they think it's going to have to come through the ministry platform. But I'm telling you, like, God wants to use everything in the marketplace. He wants to give you ideas. He wants to give CEOs ideas. He wants to put you in strategic places. It's not just about the ministry platform. In fact, the ministry platform alone can do very little as far as changing the world and changing the nation and and things like that without people out in the marketplace, and it's the church's turn. Amen? Okay. Uh, Nehemiah was a man of great focus. He was a layman, and uh, what took place is that uh, Jerusalem had uh, walls around it and gates, and it was well fortified and all those things. But then something happened, and the walls were torn down. There was rubble. They were burned with fire. And now people living in Jerusalem, it's kind of like living in a horrible neighborhood, and you have no doors on your house. It's like you're in survival mode. Like anyone can walk through. They were robbed from all the time. People would come and attack them all the time, and they were stuck in this survival mode place. So Nehemiah sees this, and he feels compassion for his people, and he decides, hey, it's time to build walls around the city. And building the walls around the city uh, was something that they had tried to do for 72 years and failed. Nehemiah gets an idea from the Lord. He decides to be creative. He goes after building the walls, and he accomplishes what couldn't be done in 72 years in 52 days. Okay? Um, He's a man of great focus. Now, the first thing he does is Nehemiah surveys the problems of all the walls and each of the gates, and he makes a list of what needs to be done. Okay, so this is what I'm asking you to do. There's, there's a couple different applications for this. There's building the walls um, just as a culture and in Christianity, but this is also talking about the walls around your life. Okay, rebuilding the walls around your life. Do you guys know what Jerusalem means? The name Jerusalem means peace. So take a look, make a list, look at your life. Okay, we need to rebuild the walls of peace around our life. Okay, rebuild the walls of peace around your life. We are in a Nehemiah season. We are building and warring. Someone say building and warring. The scripture describes them as holding building tools and having a sword as well. Okay, you got your sword and your shovel. We're building, we're being creative, but we're also warring. Okay, this is the season that we're in. Someone say hallelujah. 
Someone say, I was born for this. <laughs> Come on. All right. So we're re rebuilding the walls of peace in our life. Make a list and survival-proof your life. Okay? There is structure in your life that can guard your peace. I know this is a mom message, okay? There's structure in your life that can guard your peace. You can pre-decide some boundary lines around your life. So what in your life does not look like the kingdom? What in your life does not look like the kingdom? Health, finances, family, marriage, ministry, your secret place time with the Lord, standing up for what's right, Parenting, relationships, rest, fun. Do you guys know how to pronounce the word fun? Vacations, adventure. What area of your life does not look like the kingdom? Just close your eyes right now and just ask Holy Spirit, because Holy Spirit knows. And just ask him, just Holy Spirit, what area of my life does not look like your kingdom? What is an area that you want to restore and build structure around? Hmm. All right. People say you can't have it all. You can only focus on one thing or another. But Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Someone say all these things. All these things. Everybody got something in mind that the Holy Spirit's kind of chatting with you about? Might be uncomfortable, okay? But it's really, really good. He knows. Um, if you are sacrificing your health for ministry, you don't understand the heart of the Father. If you're sacrificing your marriage or your kids to change the world, you don't understand the heart of your Father. God does not need to abuse you to use you. God does not need to abuse you to use you. It's funny, uh, Brianna and I were talking the other day about uh, the generals of the faith. You read the books about John G. Lake and all the, the great things, and so many of them didn't finish well. And it's really frustrating to watch. It's kind of like reading the book of Kings. It's like this king rose up and he was good. And then that king rose up and he was bad. And everybody cried and ashes and mourning. And then this king rose up and he did good. But then his son ruined it. <laughs> it's just like frustrating to read. Like it's just like, oh my gosh, John G. Lake's wife died early. So John G. Lake, if you don't know who he is, had this amazing healing ministry. It, it was like the ratio of people that got healed that came to him, it was like almost like 100%. He, he would empty out hospitals and he started a healing school where your, your graduation day is go pray for that person until they get healed and don't leave them. Don't come back until they're healed and that's your graduation. And so he had this powerful, powerful healing ministry. And because there was such a, an amazing healing anointing on his life, Life, people came to him and there was great need. Amen. How many of you know there's always going to be great need? He had no boundaries. People would come and wait in his, in his front yard for days, lined up. A lot of times they didn't have food. So John G. Lake's wife is giving away all the food that belongs to their family. She's starving. Her children are malnourished. And they're healing people 24-7 because the need is endless. If you are led by human need, you are never, ever going to see the kingdom happen in your life and in your family because human need has no end. If you are being led by the Spirit, God is not going to abuse you to use you. Because if you are not the savior of the world, then it might be that there's other people out there that need to start learning how to heal people. 
Amen? God wants to activate and equip more people. Amen? He does not need to abuse you to use you. Because the truth is, is that you don't have a, a ministry because you have a powerful message. You have a ministry because you have a life that speaks I can't impart something to somebody that I do not have. So when I see something that I'm just like, oh man, there's a problem in, this, in the world or even in our congregation, there's something, we need to talk about money more. The first thing I do is I go after breakthrough in my own life in the area of finances. God, what lies am I believing? Because I have nothing to impart, I have nothing to say until God is doing that in my life first. Amen? So in the same way, we cannot afford to sacrifice our families and our children on the altar of ministry, on the altar of changing our world, because God is big enough that he doesn't need you to do that. Amen? And he loves you too much, and he loves your children too much to allow you to do that. Amen? Ooh. John G. Lake's wife, that just, it just, she died young. And it's just like, that's not okay. That's not okay, because God wants revival, but he wants a revival that's sustainable and goes to the next generation and beyond. Amen? All right. Rebuild the walls and the gates around peace in your life. Shut all the doors to the enemy. Shut all the doors. Someone say, shut all the doors. (laughs) Be alert. Be sober. What are the loose things in your life? Okay? The gifts of the Lord are free. Maturity is expensive. (laughs) the gifts of the Lord are free, character is expensive, okay? Ministries will rise up on these wonderful gifts of the Lord, but if you don't have the character to back it up, it's not going to profit the kingdom anything, amen? Character is expensive. Character is what happens behind closed doors when no one's looking. Character is made in the secret place, and we obey the voice of the Lord, okay? Now, again, if this is sending you into condemnation, oh, we got to obey the law now, and God's mad at us, go back and listen to the two trees message. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we are loved. God loves us. He's for us. He's on our side. He's anointed us. He's called us. He's equipped us. He paid the price for us, and we need to walk into maturity. Amen? It's time to step up and walk into maturity. Maturity is expensive. The enemy is looking for a door to bring chaos into your life and keep you in survival mode. So take a look. Survey the land. Where are the gates broken down? Where are the walls broken broken down? Okay? Sometimes warfare looks like warring in the spirit and warring against principalities. Sometimes warfare looks like kissing your husband for 15 seconds straight. That was a challenge that went around Facebook. It's like kiss your spouse for 15 seconds straight a day. I'm like, ooh, that's kind of cool. Okay. Sometimes warfare looks like looking your kid eye to eye and connecting with them for three minutes. That can go farther than a family Bible lesson sometimes. Amen. Survey your life. Shut all the doors to the enemy because he is fighting to get in your life and cause chaos and get you back into survival mode. Okay. All right, let's talk about uh, families. So when Nehemiah was constructing the wall and he had all, these, all the, the Jews um, helping him and they all took ownership, which was fantastic. How many of you know, take ownership of your life. No one else will <laughs> take ownership. Everyone took ownership of their space and they were all uh, fighting and building together. And so there were areas of the wall that were more vulnerable than others. They were more exposed. The wall was a little bit lower. And this was the strategy that he used for the most vulnerable Vulnerable places of the wall. Let's take a look at Nehemiah 4, 13 to 14. 
Nehemiah 4, 13 to 14. All right. Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places, and I stationed the people in what? families with their swords, spears, and bows. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Okay? So the most vulnerable places in the wall. He didn't take all the strongest men of all the people and take them from their families and put them in those vulnerable spots so they could fight the war out there. He took entire families, sons, daughters, wives, children, and put them in the most vulnerable spots of the wall and said, don't only fight the fight out there, but fight the fight with your family, for your family. Amen. Huge, important in this season. I hear the Lord saying, focus on family. Focus on family. I know that there's a war going on out there. I know that we're fighting, fighting wars for freedom. We're fighting wars for, uh, for keeping the family unit and morality and all those things. But if we are not fighting that battle at home, then we're losing the thing that we're fighting for. Amen. What good does it do to fight out there for the, the things that we want to see happen, morality and in our country and stuff like that? And then here we go limping in and our marriage is like falling apart and our kids are falling apart. Amen. God is bigger than that. Amen. He does not have to abuse you to use you. All right. Fight as a family. Incorporate your family together. War together. Let them know what's going on. When we, that's, that's part of the reason that we do the next generation service. That's part of the reason that when we have prayer nights and stuff, we don't mind that there's noise. We don't mind that there's kids up here flagging and they might whack someone in the head with a flag. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, they're learning to war as a family and they're not getting sacrificed on the altar of ministry or on the altar of revival. Amen. I don't care that they're making noise. I don't care that it's messy. I don't care that they run and Evan's up here and, you know, doing the booty dance. I care a little bit. I do. I do a little bit. That was a little bit hard. I did not go back and watch the, the replay of that. I was like, ah, oh, oh, embarrassing. Kids are the great equalizers. You know, they just, they keep you humble. They do. I'm like, pastor's kid right there. <laughs> but to be honest, the fact that he's comfortable in this place, that he'll run up on the stage, I'm like, that's, he needs that. He needs this to feel like his living room. Amen. Like, I don't care when kids are making noise. I'm glad that they're here because that we have to war together as a family. Amen. All right. Uh, my new glasses. Um, I, I just got uh, new prescription glasses, and it was actually Charlie, Charlie Davis's recommendation. He recommended this company online. And so it feels like this prophetic little kiss from the Lord that they arrived, um, like, right when he passed away. It was just these glasses that he had uh, recommended. Um, the company's online, and so you can get stuff way cheaper if you have your prescription um, I feel like I'm plugging this company, but <laughs> talk to me after you want to know what it is. Um, but uh, so I got these new glasses and I was so excited because life has been out of focus for a few weeks because one of the babies just 
broke my glasses. So uh, this new thing has been happening ever since I turned 40. My kids developed this habit of like putting things way too close to my face that I can't see it. I don't know why as soon as I turned 40, everything is too close to my face for me to see it. But that's what they're doing. Like, they're like, hey, look at this thing on my phone. And they're like, I'm like, whoa, okay, hold it. Hold it back there now. <laughs> ever since I turned 40. Yeah. It's really strange. Um, so I was getting my prescription done. I was in the eye doctor's office, and um, we were, like, fine-tuning the things. You know, like, is this one better? Is this one better? Is that one better? Is that one better? And we got it so fine-tuned that I could see, like, the tiniest little letter at the bottom of the eye chart, and I was so excited because it, it had been a while. I'm like, oh, yay, I'm going to be able to see well. This is awesome. And so I was excited. I got home. I put on my new glasses, and I was like, whoa, I can see the TV. Look at that detail. And it was just really awesome. But then Isaac crawled up in my lap, and I looked down at him, and I'm like, whoa, everything's blurry, and I can't see him. Those that are over 40, you might know what I'm talking about. But uh, he gets in my lap, and I cannot see him with my glasses on, and it hurts my eyes. I'm like, whoa, my gosh. And I had to take my glasses off to be able to see him, okay? So when you are focusing too hard on things that are way out there, you can't see clearly the thing that's right in front of you. You can't see clearly the thing that's right in front of you. Focus on your family. I'm telling you, the Lord is on that. Focus on your family. That's why we are going into Relationship 101 in the revival groups. Okay, it is very strategic. We're being led by the Lord in that. I know there's like so many things that are vying for our focus right now, but the Lord is like, no, come back to focusing on relationships. Right after we go through that series of uh, Relationship 101, it's going to lead right into marriage stuff. It's going to lead into parenting stuff because we can watch all the gates of our walls. Okay, God is big enough for us to be able to go after all the things. Amen? Amen. All right. Sometimes we want to focus on the things that we're already good at or feel some level of success in, okay? Um, I'm, I'm talking to you men sometimes, okay? Sometimes it's like when life is, is hard and just like, man, the, the stuff with marriage is hard or the kids are hard or whatever, and it's like we double down at work and the things that we feel successful in because it's just like it feels good to like see progress in something that you can affect change in. And I love you men because it's like you want to see change and stuff like that. But sometimes we want to focus on those things that we're already good at, but the Lord is speaking to you, hey, there's, there's breakthrough in some of these other areas. Go after these things before you end up in survival mode, before it becomes an emergency. Does that make sense? And it can look as simple as building date night into your schedule. It can look as simple as putting, I know it doesn't sound romantic, ladies, just close your eyes, close your ears for a second. You can put in your schedule, buy my wife flowers and like throw it in there like once a month. <laughs> yep. You can put in your schedule, text my wife. <laughs> They're actually closing their eyes. <laughs> I know it doesn't feel romantic, but this, this type of thing is warfare for your marriage. Okay? This is grown-up talk. <laughs> Somebody say, this is grown-up talk. All right. It's not always about doing the thing that you feel in the moment. It's about setting your intention. Amen? Okay. I have a huge calling to activate and equip the body of Christ, to go and disciple nations, to heal people, to bring the kingdom, and to get Jesus everything that he paid for. But I refuse to let my kids be ministry orphans. I refuse. 
Um, part of this deal is um, we have to pass the baton, okay? You can't wait until you're 70 years old to then start trying to pass the baton, okay? You, you, you've got to be passing it now because when, like, when, you know what I'm talking about? Like the relay race, sorry, I'm trying to use athletic analogies here. The relay race, right? You have to run the same speed for a period of time before that baton can be passed, but then you're expecting that the next guy is going to be faster than you. You're expecting that the next guy is going to be faster than you. We need to do this with our kids. You run together. You run together for the next season, and then they run faster than you. Amen. But you start thinking about that now while you're still figuring things out. We're figuring things out, but we're bringing them with us as we're figuring it out. Amen. All right. We're not just after revival, we're after sustained revival. So here's some unusual weapons of warfare, and this is aside from worship and prayer, which is typically, you know, what we war in and which is powerful, and I'm not negating that whatsoever, okay? But here's some unusual weapons of warfare. Connection with healthy community. Connection with healthy community. Vulnerability is a weapon of warfare against shame. Sometimes there is nothing like getting the presence of someone else and they say, oh, me too. You are not alone. You are not crazy. You are not just like mysteriously broken in this unfixable way and there's nothing you could ever do about it. There's something really powerful about vulnerability and community. And there's warfare in that. When you have other brothers and sisters warring with you and excited about your breakthroughs, it's powerful. It is Jesus. Amen. All right, um, here's an unusual weapon of warfare. Caring for your family, making dinner, sitting down to dinner. I know that this is the mom practical message. I know it doesn't sound super hyper-spiritual, but sometimes making dinner is warfare. Sitting together at the table, connecting. Amen? Rolling around on the floor with your kids and playing. Turning on music, having a dance party. That is warfare for your family. Amen? Three minutes of undistracted eye contact with your kids. Sometimes we make it into this, like, huge thing. It's just like, oh, I'm feeling like, not kind of like Daniel was talking about at Christmas, just like, oh, I'm not enough. Let me get all the Christmas presents, more Christmas presents, more Christmas presents to make up for, you know, whatever, whatever the enemy's got is convinced that we're lacking in. Sometimes it's just like, we have to do an entire week together. We have to do an entire day where we're just fulfilling their every wish or whatever. It's like, oh, my gosh, like three minutes a night Eye contact, connection, how was your day, is so, so powerful. It doesn't have to be this big, grandiose, difficult thing. Amen? All right. Ten minutes of eye contact, undistracted quality time with your spouse is warfare. Sometimes warfare looks like putting the phones away. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Amen. Rest. Unusual weapon of warfare is rest. I have rest built into my schedule, and I diligently protect it with the same conviction as my tithe. The same conviction as my tithe. Because if you trust God with this amount, then the rest is blessed. Amen? Same thing with my time. I do not need to hold the world together. I don't need to hold this church together. I don't need to hold everything together. If I trust God with that one day then I know that he's got enough supernatural grace for all the rest of it. Amen? 
I have rest built into my schedule and I protect it with the same conviction as my tithe. Um, having a budget and stewarding it. <laughs> that is an unusual weapon of warfare that keeps chaos away. I know this is a this is grown-up talk, right? Okay. Stewarding your finances, having a budget. Learning to say no, it's important because sometimes we're warfaring in, in this thing. We let it get to that emergency place, but it's like all along the way, there's steady faithful plotting as well. Now, the enemy wants to get you thinking in survival mode, just like, oh, I don't even know what's going to happen. So we're just, oh, we're just going to sit tight. We're just going to watch and see what happens. It's like, no, 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 no. Steady faithful plotting. All the principles of the Bible are still true. Amen. Budget. Steward your finances. Eating right and exercising. Let's not wait until it becomes an emergency. Okay? Eating right and exercising. All right. Someone say, she's getting up in my grill. <laughs> I'm up in my own grill right now. Okay? I'm going after it. Okay? Um, eating right and exercising is warfare. God doesn't need you to sacrifice your health. Um, stewarding your joy. Predeciding what you want your atmosphere to feel like. Predeciding your responses to things. Predeciding what you want your life to feel like is huge important. And then another uh, form of warfare is going after inner healing. Going after inner healing. If you get stuck in an area and it's just like, I don't know why, I don't know how to connect to my kids. I don't know why, I don't know how to connect to my spouse. I don't know why, like in this particular area, I just get stuck. I want to give up. I want to cry. Whatever, whether it's exercise, whether it's money, whatever the thing is, okay, we need to go after freedom in those areas and partner with God. Inner healing is huge, 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 huge important. Okay. Now I'm not an advocate of just like digging into your life and just like, I'm just going to chop right in this thing. and I'm going to get done with all the inner healing in one fail swoop. <laughs> what happens is that people start to think of freedom like it's a cage to get out of. And then when you're out of the cage, yay, I'm free. But that's actually not what freedom is biblically. Okay. Freedom is a person and freedom is the person of Jesus. Okay, so what you're actually trying to do is get more freedom into you so that he can occupy more space in your heart and in your life. And the more of him you get inside of you, the more freedom you experience. Okay, freedom requires choice. Okay, if I don't have a choice and I'm just like, oh my gosh, the cake disappeared and I didn't have a choice about it. And I just like, it's like I went red and there it's gone. Who took it? You know, um, then that would be an area that you don't have freedom. That would be an area where you don't have choice. Okay, so we're going to go after that. We're going to go after inner healing and just however the Lord leads you in that way, you can experience freedom in those places. You can experience more of Jesus in those places. And then you might have the option to eat the entire cake. You might even be tempted to eat the entire cake. And that's okay. But you now have the choice. Does this make sense? This applies to any area of your life, whether it's spending, whether it's looking at stuff on the internet, whatever it is, there is freedom that needs to get on the inside of you so that you have the choice. Amen? Amen. Go after inner healing. Someone tell your neighbor, go after inner healing. Tell them it's not scary. It's fun. <laughs> All right. 
Nehemiah, he led a spiritual revival with the people of Jerusalem. He also helped them to build and create in the practical and he also affected change in the political realm. I know we don't have time to go look at it, but read all the book of Nehemiah. You're going to see all the different ways that he impacted things. And he was able to go after it all because he sought first Jesus. He sought first the kingdom. Amen. Nehemiah was on a mission. He was not tempted to talk to the people in the Valley of Ono. Do you guys remember that story? where like now the dissenters come and they're just like, hey, come and talk to us. We want to rip you to shreds. We want to criticize what you're doing. Come and fight with us down in the valley, okay? This was his response in Nehemiah 6.3. So I sent messengers to them. Notice he didn't even go himself, okay? So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I'm unable to come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? (laughs) someone needs to say that to the enemy someone needs to say that to your critics sometimes the critics in your own head sometimes the critics online sometimes the critic is in your family I don't know where the critic is but don't come down to the valley of oh no don't do it send a messenger okay <laughs> I get negative comments all the time. They used to bother me, like, <laughs> like especially being a woman preacher, especially being spirit-filled and talking about things of the supernatural and things like that. It's like, especially I preach on grace, like how else may I offend you? <laughs> there are many things that people get upset about um, in those ways when they don't, they don't understand, and that's okay. But I have gotten comment after comment, and the reason that I I have a big target on my back, especially as a woman preacher, is because I am called to lift up other women and to see other women be powerful, okay? But these comments used to just bother me so bad. Like someone would scripture slap me online, and I'm just like, oh, that's so frustrating, and I'm stewing, and I'm just like thinking of the response, and I'm like, I could send them this scripture and that scripture, and I used to want to like convert them to my way of thinking, and I'm just like, it's going to happen. It's going to be online, and they're going to have the aha moment, and they're going to be so sorry, and you know, all these things, and I would get so frustrated and I would waste time and energy and emotional energy stewing with some angry stranger on the internet that I'm never going to (laughs) meet. I have five children to be present for. I'm not going down to the valley of oh no anymore, okay? My friend is the delete and block button. (laughs) I love you, delete and block right? If you want to start your own ministry platform on your own space, go for it, okay? But on my, my stuff, I'm like, delete and block. One of the most spiritual songs <laughs> my friend Ty sent me <laughs> was, blocking you blesses me. <laughs> blocking you blesses me. Your opinion doesn't count. Not an inch or an ounce, cause blocking you blesses me. Everybody sing, blocking you (laughs) blesses me. (laughs) Come on, Jesus. (laughs) I feel the Lord on that. Ooh, do you feel the Lord on that? Come on. We're too busy doing a great work (laughs) to come down to the valley of oh no and respond to stuff like that. The next thing they tried was a bunch of false accusations. You're just trying to promote yourself. You're just being selfish. Blocking you (laughs) blesses me. I'm too busy. I got too many things. I got to be present for my kids. I'm not going to waste my energy on that. I'm stewarding my joy. I don't have time. Amen? 
Someone say, I don't have time for that. <laughs> there is a war for your attention right now. There's a war for your focus. There's a war for your energy. There's a war for your ability to stay present. Don't be fooled, okay? Don't be fooled. Don't get distracted by the basketball players and miss your little kids sitting in your lap. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> I went to use my phone the other day, and I was getting frustrated uh, because I went to click. You know how there's little boxes to fill in, and I'm, like, trying to click the box, and I'm clicking the box, and it wouldn't do anything, and I'm just like, I don't even know what's happening because it's not like your phone does the color wheel to tell you something's wrong, the color wheel of doom. He goes, <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening? What is happening? And then finally, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've learned before. I go back and I look at all the apps that are open in the background. Do you guys know how to do that? If you have an iPhone, double-click the thing, and you just got to swipe all the apps that are open that you've kept running in the background, okay? Um, sometimes our life isn't functioning well because we have too many apps open in the background. There's too many things going. There's too many things vying for our attentions, too many things we've got our hands in, too many things we're worried about, and these are energy suckers, and we are not meant to fill up our life with busyness. We're not meant to fill up our life with busyness. What's great with technology and everything is like our, our work time has become way more efficient. Okay, so like our workload that used to take eight hours or whatever now takes this many hours in the day. But then what do we do? We add more work to it. And then we like figure out how to do that more. And then we, then we add more. And then we add more. And then we add more. And now like it used to be that you take a bathroom break. But now if we're being honest, people take their phone with them in the bed. And we're answering emails and doing stuff where it used to be a break. This is mom talk, I know. <laughs> and it's like there's never a break, and there's apps running in the background all the time, and if you don't have structure built into your life for where all the things go or what things need to get deleted, then energy is being sucked from us and we're not running efficiently. Amen? Busyness is artificial significance. Busyness is artificial significance trying to find peace through our labor instead of his presence. Busyness is artificial significance. It's us trying to find peace through our labor instead of in his presence. We're meant to rest. Amen. Shut down the background apps that are running. I had the most peaceful day with my four-year-old and my two-year-old the other day. This was on a Wednesday. And I'm sitting there, I'm just like, I'm just so enjoying this time. Like I had the morning free with them and we're just like watching Mickey cartoons. And I'd already had my prayer time that day. And then the baby woke up and I was like, oh, the baby's awake, yay. You know, like some days if we're being honest, it's like, oh, here comes trouble. You know, <laughs> The baby woke up, was like, oh, I'm excited to see him. And I go and I get the baby out and I'm changing him and I'm talking to him. And we're just having a great morning. Like we ate breakfast together. And about halfway through the day, I'm like, why is this like so peaceful? Why does this feel so good to me right now? Like why is this just like I'm, I'm able to focus so much on them right now? And I realized is because I had shut down some background apps because I was preaching this Sunday. And so what we've come up with now, in case you haven't noticed, we're rotating a lot with the worship leaders up here, but we've made a powerful decision. It's like, okay, I'm preaching. I don't need to lead worship too. I don't need to hold the world together, <laughs> right? And then when I'm not leading worship, then guess what? Lauren gets a chance to sing and play, and she's anointed and fiery, and I'm just so excited, and I'm just, like, so thankful. 
And I get to have a peaceful day with my kids on Wednesday because the app isn't running in the background of, oh, you haven't chosen songs yet. You got to get songs. Oh, rehearsals tomorrow. Da, 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 da. We shut down that app and I was able to focus on my kids. It's the same day and the same time that I have with my kids every Wednesday morning. But it was entirely different because I thought about how I want my life to feel and not just what I want to accomplish. Amen. The Lord wants to do that for you in every area of your life. Yeah. I hear the Lord saying, focus on your family. We need a game plan. And again, it's going to require some structure. Again, this is grown-up talk. But I have pre-decided in my life, I am not going to look at social media until I've had time with the Lord, until I've eaten breakfast, until I've moved my body right? I'm just like, as, as unspiritual as that may sound, that guards my peace in a way that you can't even imagine. Amen? Um, I want to know what he's saying to me so that my beliefs are clear before I hear anyone else's opinion or enter their atmosphere. Amen? I make prophetic declarations every morning because when I make prophetic declarations in the morning, it puts a guard over my mouth because I'm more likely to not say things in disagreement with my declaration that morning when I make it in the morning. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, I set my atmosphere in my home the night before and before my kids wake up. I make sure I get that secret place time before they wake up. And if that means I wake up at 6 a.m. on my day off, I am guarding my peace. I'm guarding my atmosphere so that I can stay present for them. Amen. I go to bed early and I get enough sleep. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound super spiritual, but it is. It is a form of warfare. Go to bed early and get some sleep because you, you can't be present for people when you're tired, okay? I steward my schedule and my energy so that I have enough for my kids and for my husband. Amen? So you are in a battle, whether you know it or not. You're bumping up against the enemy, Okay, so it's time to put some structures and some things in place. It's time to start prophesying your destiny to the enemy. It's time to start prophesying your destiny to the people around you. And it's time to set up those walls around you, rebuild the walls so that you can maintain peace in your life. Amen? Amen. Revival is coming through family and creativity, so let's war for those things. Amen? So just close your eyes right now. And I just ask, again, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would pour out solutions even right now. Even right now. Solutions in the practical. A structure, maybe. Yeah, I thank you that you're pouring out ideas right now. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I thank you, Lord, that you're giving ideas and how we can live a life of intention, Lord Jesus. And again, postured of being in the secret place and receiving from your spirit and being 100% dependent on you at all moments that we don't have to hold the world together. We don't have to overwork. We don't have to sacrifice our kids. We don't have to sacrifice our health. We don't have to sacrifice joy to see you move or to see the world shift in the ways that you've called us to, God. I thank you that you are so good, that you are too good a dad to, to need us to do any of those things. You are too big a God. You 
are too able, Father, for us to sacrifice things that we don't have to sacrifice. So I thank you right now, Lord, that you are uh, unveiling what the enemy was trying to do in the background, that you're highlighting the places where he's been shifting the curtain or he's been putting that monkey in there that you've been missing because you've been focused on the things that look good but that are not the God things. I thank you, Jesus, that you're bringing conviction where conviction needs to rest, Lord. And as a loving father, Lord, as a loving father that disciplines his children so that they can grow and have a joyful, fun-filled life. God, I just thank you so much, Lord, for what you're doing in these people. I thank you that you love them so much, and we just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. God is so good. Amen. Amen.